Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Dear Dynasty, can you describe our surroundings to the listeners? Tina, welcome to my magic yurt, (laughs) where only the few are privileged enough to enter or even see it. Oof, I feel very privileged. Because when when you walked in the door, you didn't see it. I knew it was there, though. Yes. I Um, was basically like, my eyes were darting around being like, so where's this yurt? (laughs) But it's magic, so it could be like, you look somewhere, and then you look away, and then you look back, and the yurt is there. Absolutely. It's kind of what I was expecting. Yes. Or when you go into the bathroom, and then you open the medicine cabinet, and Mm. you have to crawl through you know the medicine cabinet. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So this is a... um, Technically, a British camp tent. Wow! That has a a pole in the middle holding it up. Um, I this probably wouldn't actually like work as a stripper pole. No, no. definitely not. The tent would come crashing down, <laughs> and you would be a big ghost, <laughs> struggling. Um, wrapped in uh, the pole is wrapped in Christmas lights, mm-hmm. and um, inside I have rugs layered on top of rugs as well as textiles of um, many different plushes and textures. Mm -hmm. Tina is sitting on a low chair that could easily be um, sleepable. I love a low chair. (laughs) (laughs) I loved what you were just saying about how you feel. What did you say about being on the ground? It's where I feel the most held. Mm. And being able to sprawl out is really important to me. Cool. And um, so this is where I sprawl out. This is where I have a futon where I can even fold it out to sleep in. In fact, I sleep in here quite a bit, especially nice. when I'm mad at my partner. Because <laughs> this, is, this is where I so come. this to is like your doghouse that you've is, made for yourself. This is my doghouse. <laughs> and I will willingly go to my own doghouse. <laughs> or you make the rest of the world the doghouse. And this is like the out. When yes. you're in here, you're on the outside of the doghouse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm hidden and protected. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very warm in here. Yeah, it, it is. Can be. Um, I have my altar, and it's full of magical items, my crystals and singing bowl and a ram skull. And sage. is that a, some sort of a dagger? Are um, there some daggers? Yes, it is a dagger. Um, there's there's two of them. I like them. I'm, I'm not sure of the origin of the dagger. Um, there's um, there's a, a lingam stone. Cool. And a, a wand. Um, 
so yeah this is and i've got some little some shaman aura spray nice you're feeling like you want to shamanize yourself a little bit more so yeah who doesn't who doesn't (laughs) Well, I do truly feel honored and um, held very magically being in your yurt. So thank you for hosting. My pleasure. So we, I guess, have only known each other for a little bit. I guess I found out about La Maison de Rouge and then met you and your partner, Lucy, who has been on the podcast before, Lucy Sweetkill. And so you, you are a dominatrix. Yes, I am. And you and Lucy started La Maison de Rouge as a sort of center of community building and education for pro-doms in New York City and beyond. Is that like pretty, is that accurate or? I think that's the latest iteration Mm. of our brand. Uh, We originally started as a, as a brand of lifestyle and perhaps, um, more intersectional in in concepts of feminism and race yeah and also wanting to elevate um ourselves in a way that could be not seen as sensationalized or Mm. um these raunchy you know sex working deviants uh, not that there's anything wrong with that but but also wanting to bring bdsm up a level Mm. and 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 be seen as something more therapeutic and healing as well as um, culturally relevant. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's basically a space that is being held for all kinds of possibilities. And specifically right now, um, it is a, a physical space as well as um, Lucy's interest in social activism and my interest in healing and mm. where those those passions come together. Cool. Those, I uh, also am interested in all of those things and I'm really interested in the way that you two are doing it. And I am really glad to know you. Also, every time I get together with you, there's always the best snacks. I just really feel like the dominatrix snack game is very strong. Snacks are very important to Lucy. And I <laughs> I just like to eat. I'll eat whatever is put in front of me. Nice. So, so it's a good combination and we like to have, you know sharing and i think that gathering around a meal or or some you know kind of food is also very it's a bonding experience yeah to to literally break bread yeah Mm -hmm. and like salami and like nice cheeses and cupcakes and and break meat and rosé and all kinds of things so yeah um okay so that's la maison de rouge and and folks can check that out online and are are there and i i also in the time that i've known you have definitely gotten the impression that you are somebody who is interested in bdsm sort of in conversation with a lot of other as you've mentioned healing and even mystic arts or practices um absolutely do you want to talk a little bit about your interest in those other things and how how they're connected to kink yeah i think that kink is inherently um play Mm -hmm. and and it's kind of embracing curiosity and um and and mixing that with you know a sense of sexuality that is less traditional so so it's not always prescribed Mm -hmm. what 
what is going to happen. And in in fact, a lot of times it's being comfortable with the unknown mm-hmm. or being excited and thrilled by the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so um, the unknown is is a place where so many things can pop up. Like literally anything, right? Right. Yeah. And And as a professional, I like to be able to hold a space where that kind of thing happens or is allowed to happen Mm -hmm. and so within that space um of of the unknown there's there's kink there's sexuality but there's also um the discovery of something that can be very therapeutic and healing um which has come up so often that it's it's really difficult to ignore and deny Mm -hmm. and so i've started to embrace um more techniques and modalities of bringing about these more kind of therapeutic and cathartic effects. And I find that inherently um, BDSM and kink are a way to also embrace a lot of these therapeutic and cathartic effects um, on the way, uh, on the journey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for example, something like um, rope bondage is there's, there's this intimacy and there's this, um, rope in between the two of you that is an extension of the of the emotions and the closeness um but then when when you've brought somebody into a rope space and they're tightly held by it that in and of itself is a hypnotic induction Mm. and so you've brought this person into a trance state Mm. where they can be easily manipulated (laughs) um you know, and if you were, if you were inclined to manipulate somebody in that way, it, it would be almost too easy. Um, but also, being open to suggestion of of um, ideas of how what it is to let go, mm-hmm. how that can be um, integrated into a, a non kink environment as well, like mm-hmm. like remembering what it feels like, and then allowing yourself to let go and flow with whatever situation that may bring you anxiety outside of kink. So the um, integration of certain um, suggestions and ideas that can be very therapeutic is definitely one of my major areas of interest. And then of course, with these um, different techniques, there's always an element of mysticism where Mm. you don't exactly know what's happening. Mm -hmm, And you mm -hmm. can't always explain it or um, repeat it because mm. it's it's <clears throat> it's a unique moment that mm-hmm. will never happen again mm. and and so being present is really important wow that's really interesting and beautiful i mean i like the idea of something i've been thinking a lot lately partially because of our mutual friend yin mm. is the idea of ritual mm-hmm. and how I guess the way I've been thinking about it is sort of like using ritual to harness or yoke Mm -hmm. those experiences. Like you, you like go into the unknown and you have an experience and you can't quite explain it. And maybe you're comfortable with being a dreamer and never being able to fully explain it. Or you're like comfortable with the, you're at peace with the knowledge that you won't ever really understand it, but maybe you want to feel that sensation again. Maybe you want to feel, to get back to that emotional place again. Maybe Mm -hmm. you want to know how to 
bring other people into those spaces and you don't necessarily always know that the ritual there's no guarantee that the ritual is going to work um not always i think that that element of unknowing is um is is actually um kind of exciting but also that element of unknowing is held within a place of predictability where you enter into the ritual and you know exactly what contains it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it's like within that safe space you can allow so much to happen and it may be different every single time but um but the induction of that safe space of perhaps whatever protocol Mm. or um opening of that ritual is predictable and so you know that you're engaging your your subconscious in a place that allows for it to just kind of like open up and and be vulnerable um and because it's not necessarily formulaic within that space but there is a formula to getting that to that space Mm. i think that that kind of ability to let go is is um contained and so you you feel that safety of of being of, of knowing that this you know this unknown will um come to an end at some point mm-hmm. you have your breadcrumb trail back mm-hmm. or the person that you trust to guide you back yes and maybe the person also to trust to give you guidance and how to reintegrate totally into everyday life which is a huge part of what i think the the healing aspect of bdsm um has to has to entail is is the integration aka the aftercare yeah and the processing but also playing is really fun. Yeah. Like you brought up you brought up play and I think we're going to talk about that a lot tonight. Play? Play. Play. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. we absolutely should. Um yeah. And, and I think that I know where you're going next with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so okay. On the topic of play. Oh yeah. Dia's cat is for sure laying on my notes, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) She's testing me. Um, So there's something that, wait, no, no, no. Before we, before we segue into the topic, um, I did want to say that uh, you mentioned hypnotic induction and I did just want to like underscore the fact that you did just show me your fancy, very official looking certificate of leveling up as a practitioner of of hypnosis yes what is the level that you're at now i am um at the master practitioner level cool and i don't i think that sounds a lot more advanced than it really is (laughs) but the the practice that i've been doing um through the instructional course has been life-changing cool and so transformative and being able to tap into our own unconscious i think is one of the most powerful gifts that anybody could give you cool a lot of times it doesn't happen um in our daily lives but um hypnosis presupposes that this is always accessible to us sometimes with a guide sometimes not with a guide but that trance state is a naturally occurring phenomenon that we kind of flit in and out of daily yeah maybe several times a day that makes sense to me yeah 
and um, just having deja vu right now. So we're oh. on the right track. Cool. So, um, so yeah, the um, hypnosis is just a um, a singular technique out of many to to bring you into the trance state where you're more receptive, you're more open, you're more curious mm. about what's really going on below. That sounds like a place I would like to be on like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. 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 Cool. And you also are studying Reiki. Can we talk about that? I am studying. I've actually studied Reiki um, and I'm at the um, second level practitioner level. Um, But I also feel like I maybe wasn't in a place to fully receive the instruction that I received when whenever I received it. So I'm going back to Reiki one with a different teacher cool and um so reiki is a system of healing that works with the chakras which are the um, energy centers in all all along your let's say spinal column Mm -hmm. um, and beyond and it's um it's a form of healing and energy manipulation and i don't mean manipulation in a machiavellian way right yeah (laughs) No, manipulate like it's 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 a craft, and the energy is like a material that you're using. Correct. Um, usually for the for the purpose of healing, mm. um, more specifically for opening up certain energy centers that may be blocked or um, helping to modulate some of them that are a little too open. Mm. And um, each energy center correlates with both a stage in life as well as. Um, a uh gosh don't they correspond to like colors and each one has like a musical note correct or a a tone right 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 um as well as as certain um areas of life Mm. that also correspond with body organs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so so the energy body um is very impressionable and can store like traumas and and emotions which which subsequently are stored in in your physical body which mm. have the potential to cause disease all kinds of disease all kinds of disease you make it sound so sexy tina reiki <laughs> no all kinds of disease <laughs> <laughs> i can make anything sound sexy to you <laughs> that is quite a skill thank you thank you we were just talking about all kinds of depraved you pulled out your cauterizing pen you know (laughs) still smell it a little bit uh yeah i think you have that i think you have that skill too thank you we have that in common thank you okay so we're in a yurt we're talking about chakras but what i want to pivot to slightly right now is a subject that has come up in passing or that we've like alighted on a few times over the years on this podcast and several people have requested this topic and some people have actually like offered to cover it and uh, or you know to to be the guest talking about it and I've done something with this topic that I have done with almost no other topic that I can think of which is that I have avoided it because it makes me uncomfortable Mm. and there's not just like there's not a lot of things that I can't 
make sound sexy with my voice. There are not a lot of things that make me uncomfortable in a way that I, sometimes something makes me uncomfortable, but that is usually like, comes like coupled with or twinned with a desire to confront the discomfort. Um, uh, like an underlining, uh, underlying, uh, like urge towards, uh, like, you know, facing fear or thinking that like facing something that is, that is scary or disturbing or unsettling will, um, that that's like where the good stuff is, right? But not with this topic. And uh, would you like to tell uh, the listeners what that topic is? That topic is clowns. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually, this is really nice. It just occurred to me. This is like, this space to me is like aesthetically like the opposite of like what I associate with clowns, but also part of what, we have been talking about is that like anybody can be turned into a clown and that like clowns can manifest in lots of different ways. You just pulled out this cute toy that is clownish to you. Do you want to like pick it up and cause it will make it cute. Can it you is, describe this? So, um, it's been called by the makers, a doo-doo doll mm. and it is, um, it is a, a stuffed doll that was handmade and it has a yarn mane. Uh huh. And these two very kind of like sleepy, stony looking eyes with heavy lids. Yes. And the pupils are buttons and its face is paisley. And it doesn't have um, limbs, but it has kind of like a tooth like appearance shape to its body. It has like kind of like a jewel on the back there. Yes. It has a jewel that is actually a button. Oh, nice. And 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 the button... uh, has a flap that opens Uh and you can put things inside of it you sure can yeah and possibly (laughs) even teeth (laughs) or or like a clown nose yeah or drugs drugs yeah always drugs seems i don't know it seems like maybe an obvious stash box um yeah it definitely is an unsettling little plushy creature to me but you find it really cute I do. Is it unsettling to you? A little bit. Interesting. I, I guess because it has kind of like a creepy gaze. Yeah. And and if it came to life, how would it move? Oh, God. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. And, and I, I enjoy entertaining these kind of fantasies. I, I know that about you. Okay, so so why don't you? We'll have my therapy session um a little later. Um, uh, but uh, can you can you tell me why you are into clowns? You're into clowns. Yes, and and I will I will speculate all kinds of um I guess background reasons. Yeah. Um, but mainly i like clowns because um i can make anybody into a clown Mm. and there's this absurdity to to the way clowns look you know they're they're over exaggerated Mm. you know gesture faces that are painted on yeah and then the trademark big red nose Mm -hmm. and how they um are essentially humans underneath yeah but their humanity is kind of masked yes and um 
you know, like I, I've is never... this plushie a human underneath? No, this isn't even a clown. This okay. Is, this okay. is a whole different thing. Okay. 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 <laughs> Do you want me to hide it? No, no, it's okay. not. No, I'm, I'm here to face my fear. I'm okay. in this year to face right, my fear. Exposure therapy. Form. Exactly. Exactly. No, um, no, what you're, what you're saying about the idea that like you have this, you have this being that is exaggerated and absurdist but is definitely like is discernibly human beneath all of that and so you have this cognitive dissonance of like something that is both human but then seems sort of sort of alien or like extra human or uh, subhuman or yeah, something. Like, I don't even know what the, you know, what the other side of that dichotomy is. It's, it's human. And then it's whatever, you know, what is that, that infinite field of possibilities that, Whoa. that clowns exist in. Um, so there's the idea that, that clowns um, are supposed to be funny, right? But, but a lot of them are not. And true. And so, so clowns in, in a way, um, subvert their their intended purpose and also they straddle that line between humor and terror yes and and that is where i like to live (laughs) (laughs) uh so you find that sexy i think there's there's definitely something very um cerebrally arousing it doesn't like get me wet yeah um but I haven't really gone there in, in my mind as to how clowns are um, sexy to me. And I think that when I do allow myself to go there, it's going to be an interesting di- discovery. Maybe it's going to happen right now. It might. Yeah. Um, so, so, there, so if it's not, so clowns aren't necessarily erotic to you, but there is kink potential to playing to to clown play to which almost seems like redundant right i mean which like it's like play play yeah clown play um and and clowning and yeah yeah, there's there's a lot of kink potential there but no it's not necessarily erotic to me even though the idea of having sex with a clown or being a clown that has sex with other people and and pushes it into perversion of of say a rape scene mm. with me as the clown is extremely exciting and it definitely is on my birthday wish list now as as an experience I'd like to engage in. I bet that can be arranged. So many possibilities. So it sounds like you do find it sexy. I guess I do. Yeah. You're literally describing the first fantasy that you went to is like, wait, so are you a clown switch? Like you, so you like, so you like dressing up people as clowns you, or you like bringing the clown out in someone, right? Yes. But, but yes, I would say I'm a clown switch where if, if I were faced with a clown, I would, I would seek to kind of um, pervert the clown if okay. that's possible. Yeah. By seeing if if the clown would respond respond to sexual stimulus. Uh huh. And um, 
I'm just imagining myself like tying a clown down to a chair and climbing on top of him and doing a little bit of like grinding to see how the clown would react and, and if it's like the man that comes out or if the clown stays in character or you know the whole scenario of like like the, this clown being at a kid's birthday party and then like kind of taking the clown behind the scenes and being like yeah, it's away away from the, away children. From the children yes away only from yes, the children yes. and, and let, let me see your clown boner you know do you <laughs> dear you know i am not i'm not a doctor but i think that you think that clowns are sexy okay maybe i do and and thank you for allowing me giving me permission to explore this you know very um taboo area of 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 clown um clown sex <laughs> you are welcome um uh, maybe this is part of how i will um face my my fear is by talking about your um desire and and pleasure and fantasy yeah well what if you eroticize clowns would it take the fear out of them or okay so um i don't know um <laughs> like an hour ago i was like talking about like well if i it, it, like if i was in a position where like a bunch of of clowns like cornered me and were going to like um like fuck with me like i don't know how i'd react and you like definitely squealed from the other room so <laughs> Was, <laughs> which 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 does make me more open it makes me more open to the idea because i like you so so you would entertain me on my birthday with with some um the possibility of being accosted by a group of clowns so you want so on your birthday do you want to be clown gang banged or do you want to like lead a posse of clowns gang banging someone yes that the all the of the, the, la the oh all of all it of the, yeah you yeah. can do you could do it all can, yeah i think it's your birthday those can exist simultaneously right for sure yes okay. let's collapse all the barriers <laughs> um so also um <laughs> clowns you know um as far as background goes i never had um a birthday party with a clown okay and I've, I've thought about it a lot and you know my mom wasn't <laughs> she wasn't really into that idea uh, I don't even know if if it was a possibility because we were poor but also you know you have to pay clowns you um, sure do yeah <laughs> um but but yeah it was something that I thought would have been really fun mm. so possibly that you know lack of clown in my life mm. makes me just want to always be drawn to them um that makes sense and historically clowns have uh, an interesting story as as the the person who entertains like the court right right and, like a jester yes like a jester and um if he didn't do a good job he was thrown out the window or, right. or fired or fed to the lions or thrown in the dungeon yeah, yeah and and so you know these these people these entertainers yeah um had their lives at stake right yeah you have to make people laugh like your life literally depends on it yeah and and so it was also a job to make the king laugh right and i think that um some some clowns were given permission to actually make fun of the king right right that's or, interesting yeah. and so that you know of course that was not normally allowed 
no like punishable by death right um so but probably but probably it was like recognized on some level they're like the original like satirists right yeah like like the idea that there is like a social function to exposing exposing corrupt you know i mean if the clown is allowed to say the thing that the the unsayable then probably they're going to talk about how the king is fat or the emperor has no clothes or like the you know the king is super corrupt and like every all the peasants are like tired of shoveling shit like and they're gonna i I don't i don't even know like what you know he would have to have some insider information or like you know the queen's a slut or whatever it is like yeah either insider information or yeah i mean i guess in a way that they would be like speaking the the truth Mm -hmm. the truth that nobody else is allowed to speak yeah and and so it's a high stakes job to be a, a jester or a clown um subject to death or or humiliation and that's another Mm. really interesting facet of clowning and clowns that i find is that um as a clown you're essentially putting yourself in a humiliating position to begin with yeah and And it's just like pushing the the limits of humiliation too because it's it's everything is extra and everything is bold so it's not just that you're wearing an absurd outfit you're also doing absurd things and speaking in an absurd voice and engaging with people in an absurd way yes and um and hopefully making them laugh but also coming at it with a sense of wonder and curiosity where you were discussing earlier like the things that we take for granted um for example like like a banana um which in and of itself maybe is a funny thing but it's a it's a piece of fruit it's sure it's got a practical purpose yeah and all that potassium yes exactly yeah. and and also to um to whiten your teeth and to mm. help with mosquito bites mm-hmm. from what i hear mm. um this inner- also looks like looks like a cock <laughs> yes it is very insertable um, <laughs> <laughs> um which i have definitely implemented in in um clown play but I believe you. They they can take this this object that we all kind of take for granted as as like oh it's a banana you eat it right and and come at it with a sense of wonder that allows us to even reexamine it as well what you know what exactly is a banana? Mm. What is the banana ness of the banana? <laughs> the banana ness, right? And and so we don't see it as the thing that we always see it as. We see it from a slightly different perspective of curiosity and wonder because clearly it's it's always going to be this thing until somebody sheds a different light on it and so in a, in a lot of ways clowns kind of um shed a different perspective or, or allow for different perspectives to come up where curiosity and wonder are kind of the source so here's the thing that is so funny funny about all of this is that that is like all my shit. I am like totally down with all of that. I'm down with satire. I'm down with wonder. Um, but clowns really fucking freak me out, man. But we'll come, we'll come back to me. So, you know, taking your banana example and bringing it into a sexy imagination space. If you bring a clown's like like a like the theater discipline of clowning right like if you bring 
clowning into the bedroom (laughs) okay right and like if you are like interacting with the your partner's body in a clowning way Mm -hmm. um that's that could be hitting them in the face with a key lime pie oh uh as i have done Mm -hmm. um uh and talked about uh, in books and on this podcast i'm sure um but uh you know or 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 like honk noses or you know do lots of like uh like very childish things but also if you think about the idea of wonder and curiosity and discovery like think about approaching your partner's body with just like total wonder Mm -hmm. and like like picking up parts of them or like combing or touching parts of them in a way that is outside of your your routine or outside of your normal modes of engagement or even like approaching someone's someone's ass or their tits or their genitals or their holes or their face or their the back of their neck or their hair or their feet like any part of them with just like what could this do Mm -hmm. if I do this to this thing like if I like stroke it if I touch it if I like touch it in this really funny weird tapping way if I like what happens if I slap it what happens if I smash it what happens what happens if I like take this object and like connect it with the body in this way that is like not the way that you are like supposed to connect I wonder if this part stretches and touches this other part and yeah exactly I think that that um that That application that application of of the you know the usefulness of clowns is definitely uh, a, a kind of play that I really enjoy um both in the bedroom and also in the professional setting yeah because it it does allow somebody to um kind of be with me and and (laughs) maybe enjoy kind of the the wonder that i'm experiencing of their body as well yeah um yeah so so there's there's that and then um and then there's also kind of the what how can i push this clown into the realm of even beyond clowning where um beyond clowning yeah i don't i mean is there is there such a thing as beyond clowning though i, I think there is now i, I mean okay so for what example, is what is beyond yeah give us an example of what is beyond um, clowning like if if i wanted this clown to dance and i just said dance the the person would be dancing oh uh, interesting right? so because they haven't had formal clown training so what i'll do is a lot of times i'll strap some electrodes onto the certain parts of their body makes sense to me or or use like um pulley tension to kind of you know create movement like a marionette that's <laughs> that's strapped in some very strange ways um and and that will change their movements of yeah. course and it becomes more clown-like or yeah. or there's an element of of suffering that i think is is also um conducive to clowning that that utilizes pathos totally because clowns sometimes are just like funny but then there's sad clowns i love sad clowns i believe you <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna like pull back the curtain of this year and there's just like giant velvet crying clown murals no oh be still <laughs> be still my heart no. um well <laughs> i'll yeah noted noted i'm sure we can find that somewhere so you love a sad clown what do you love what's sexy about sad clowns 
Well, I do have a fetish for tears. Okay. I really enjoy breaking people down to the point of tears, whether it be um, overwhelming them Mm. or uh, really digging deep and and, um, penetrating their 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 shield or whatever pushing their shame buttons pushing their shame buttons which is the 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 facet of humiliation and and really you know taking it to the level of not just dressing up the person like a clown but uh, breaking down their ego so that their identity is is Mm. so you know less than and so laughable and so disposable that there's Mm. You know, they don't even know who they are anymore. Okay, two things. Um, one, I want to talk about identity and like the like erasure of identity. Mm. But I also want to talk about humiliation. Because I think like if I was really going to like um, be totally vulnerable and honest about why clowns freak me out or why the idea of like a clown in a dungeon or like being at a clown orgy or being at your clown birthday party um is unsettling to me is that uh I'm interested in humiliation play I'm interested in humiliation I'm interested in like a lot of that kind of like psychological play both as a top and as a bottom um but part of the reason that I like it is that I am aware and have been aware since I was very young that I have for whatever reason maybe you're you can hypnotize it out of me um like a much higher or wider or deeper threshold for humiliation than the average person like there are a lot of things that people find humiliating that i don't find humiliating like getting fucked in the ass for example right like you've experienced it i've experienced it it's all around us in the world all the time in what kinds of things people fear are emasculating right like for many many people like the idea of of like getting fucked in the ass is like the deepest humiliation and the deepest that's like where the shame button is at sure the prostate inside yeah right <laughs> um or whether you have a prostate or not um but so the just as one example or nudity right like so for many people um mm-hmm. nudity is like an, an extreme form of humiliation like being like made to parade naked in front being just naked in front of a stranger yeah. i mean like you know if you have a session the somebody walks in and the first thing that you make them do is take off all their clothes like yes. don't rush past that like you know that's like incredible that's like an incredible oh, yeah. taboo play like just just to start with right being so exposed and vulnerable yeah yeah and it's one thing to do it in the dungeon but also there are like a lot of people who like don't want to go skinny dipping or don't want to like change in front of you anyway so i'm like just you know to not like um talk too much about humiliation but like those things are like not inherently humiliating to me right okay so part of why I like playing with them is that I, it makes me like feel really powerful either because I'm doing something to somebody that like wouldn't that I'm like meh whatever but like I can see how extreme it is for somebody else to do it yeah 
and that makes me feel like this ain't shit to me but it's like so much to you yeah. and i'm just gonna like rub your face in it <laughs> or if like somebody is like putting me through a test of endurance and they're like well take off all your clothes and i'm like is that all you got you know mm-hmm. like um so 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 that's like part of why i like playing with it but the idea of being of doing things that are just like like embarrassing i want to be more specific like doing things that are like clownish um that are just like so silly and almost even like tacky Mm -hmm. or like tasteless Mm -hmm. and like clumsy yeah and purposefully like slapstick and goofy and that actually makes yeah exactly like that or like even just like the idea of like people pointing at me and being like ha ha you know um uh, that is actually unnerving Mm -hmm. and scary to me and so I guess part of the reason that I I guess it, it it's like and, and so this is why having this conversation about like well what would it take for me to like be a part of a clown scene mm. actually like pushes me to a place of um like past the threshold of just oh yeah I'm into all this like really sick and twisted shit but it's like actually relatively like not that sick and twisted to me it's actually like my comfort zone mm. like this is actually outside my comfort zone yeah the idea is, which of which is clowning. a pretty large space exactly your zone. yeah it's so, like it's like you're like traveling like to the ends of the earth yeah. to like find my comfort zone so to find I, the edges of my comfort zone i wonder if there if there's a role of shame in there yeah um and i wonder if um the idea of being laughed at or being i guess it's like being uncool uh-huh. Like ultimately, like I can definitely get fucked in the ass and be cool. <laughs> and I can definitely be like naked in front of a bunch of strangers and be really cool. But and can like, you be a clown and be cool? I don't think so. Is there's there's gotta be a way. Well, I but no, it. but no, but I think maybe okay, so like there would be two approaches, right? One would be making me a clown, but making me cool so I can take the security blanket of my like sunglasses you know like uh, into clowning like <laughs> is that is that the symbol for cool is your sunglasses it's the emoji for cool uh, um so what what does a cool clown look like but wait wait, wait. so but the, <laughs> but the the thing that would be really edge play would be putting me in a position where i have no access to my coolness and i'm like totally exposed and un. <laughs> Mm-hmm. As the uncool person that I fear that I am. And everybody else is wearing sunglasses. And, and everybody wearing... knows. Right. Everybody know or they don't even have to wear sunglasses. They're just that cool. <laughs> and you're the you're the clown. I'm just the one who's yeah, I'm like yeah, the clown like the class clown or the village idiot or whatever. So and... you don't you don't ever willingly put yourself in that position of being kind of the I, get, I don't want to say laughing stocking necessarily, but just the entertainer. I, I, mean, I definitely put myself in the position exactly. of being the entertainer, but it, it always has. And, and I, I'm, you know, I'm a humorist for sure. Mm-hmm. I love making people laugh. Mm-hmm. But like what are, you know, there's like two kinds of um, 
like Shakespearean archetypical mm-hmm. clowns, right? There's like the fool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like, I, I don't know what it's called, but then there's like sort of like the clever comic relief person, uh, okay. right? The, I mean, I guess more like the trickster. Right, right, oh, okay. right. Like the, yeah, like the mischief maker, like the person who's like always one step ahead of everybody, like right. the, like Loki or, or right. something like exactly. that, right? Um, the fox. Right, right. The Reynard. Um, yes. But, but also I think that there's the, the slapstick caricature of clowns too that, you know, I guess is more closely associated with, with the word clown too. But just to, to, to touch on Shakespeare one more time, and this is obviously like a, like a literary archetype in like a lot of different ways, right? Like you have the person who's the comic relief who has the power over everyone. Right. right? And then you have the person who's the comic relief where like is welcoming all of the jokes being at their expense. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I guess like, that is the thing that terrifies me is like and also that person is like not aware or maybe but in general the idea is that they like are not aware Mm. that they're being funny and everyone is laughing at them and they're like what I'm just being me right I know what you mean yeah Yeah. and they're it's not necessarily deliberate or intentional and they you know kind of but maybe they accept that role of being kind of pathetic yeah yeah yeah, so it's like, yeah, anyway. So there's there's that. I don't know. What do you make of that? Um, I don't know how to fully process all of this um like theoretical clown information right now. <laughs> do you, uh, does it make you Okay, let me put it to you in in these terms. Does this conversation make you want to like ease me into clown play or does it make you does it bring out like the sadist in you where you want to like push me past my comfort zone very easy to answer that one i would definitely want to stick a bunch of clowns on you (laughs) and see what happens see how fast you can run or how loud you can scream Uh, it it brings out the sadist in me that's uh, well that's lovely um (laughs) that does make me smile you know but that's interesting too because right so like we're talking about like several different incarnations of this like eroticism and this terror and this humor right so there's the idea of me being transformed into a clown right and like being seen either by you or by an audience or by people right like as as the um pathetic is a good word right mm-hmm. that is definitely like an edgy scary word for me mm-hmm. um uh pathetic uh creature but then there's the idea of like being uh uh chased or abducted by or cornered by or like held captive by or tortured by or fucked by mm-hmm. a gang mm-hmm. of clowns clowns are all over my my psyche they're just running rampant in there doing all the things to each other and and so <laughs> oh clown on clown yeah yeah why not and well that's i mean there's it's definitely like an interesting dynamic like a clown like interacting like in a kinky or erotic way like with a non-clown versus right. like clowns interacting with one another those are different dynamics. Exactly. And I think that the clown on clown might be, you might offer you a level of protection and, hmm. and also spectatorship where you can maybe enjoy the clown action, clown on clown action. Yeah. 
and, and because they're not after you. I mean, a really scary thing is the idea of like clowns being after me and then transforming me into a clown oh, against my will. Infecting you with clownhood. That's right. Interesting. That that could make a really great porn. True. <laughs> true, true, where true. They, where they fuck you and then you become a clown. Oh, God. <laughs> that is a very monstrous thing, right? I mean, we were talking about monsters earlier. And, you know, of course, there's like, um, you know, the, the Stephen King book that has been made into a couple of movies. Uh, it, you know, which has a clown that represents like the like deepest, like, fear that well it like represents like a like an ancient evil and then it like manifests in like the thing that like children are scared of Mm -hmm. and it like also represents like the corruption of adults anyway um but uh but i bet the book is better have you not read the book i haven't read the book i've seen the films the book has one of the weirdest most like um like for no apparent reason group sex scene um which spoiler alert for a book that came out in the 80s yes um uh yeah which neither of the movies has like touched with a 10-foot pole but like such a missed opportunity yeah well it would be very hard to film because it's children it's like these like children um like they've like already defeated the evil but then like in order to find their way like out of the sewers like the one girl in the group like offers herself to like all of her guy friends and that's part of how she like works through her trauma of being like sexually abused um and like you know anyway that's like a topic for another day i guess yes yeah. We'll have to save that and come back to it. Yeah. I feel like there's two kinds of people in the world. People who are aware of that weird scene in the book, it, and people who, um, <laughs> people who are and people who aren't. Um, <laughs> Only two kinds of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, yeah, so we were talking about the monstrous. Yeah, and so, and, like, infection is, of course, like, one of the major reoccurring themes of monstrosity, right? Whether it's zombies, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, people sometimes talk about zombies being like a metaphor for being a virus or like vampirism has like been um like a metaphor for the plague or just the idea that like exactly exactly or the idea that like a certain kind of person if you interact with a certain kind of person whether it's a, a queer person or a loose woman or a person of color or someone from this country or whatever mm-hmm. that or or a disabled person that like that person that just by interacting with them you will be infected or transformed like or be like become one of them or one, one with them one of them one yeah of the them. idea of separation i think is also very strong with clowns huh because you are you you don't always identify um with the clown in in any relatable way most people do not huh and um to be seen as a clown is usually a social taboo yeah right? you know nobody wants to be the clown or, or even the class clown isn't necessarily like the desirable position in in class. Totally. Um, but it's some it's one that somebody chooses, so they they kind of choose that m- more powerful position of being the trickster rather. 
Well, I, yeah, that's so interesting. The idea of like being a class clown, of getting like social cachet from being the class clown is kind of like, um, like buying into your own humiliation and being like, I am going to like humiliate myself all the time for your amusement because it's better than not having a role, like a social role. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. It, it's like better to be defined or to or the, you like have more power or agency when you're seen as something yeah even if it's rather than nothing yes yes the clowns definitely not nothing clowns are definitely not nothing life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Haywire people into that, fans. Did you know that the flagship pleasure chest store in the West Village was featured on an infamous episode of Sex in the City? Yes, that's right. It's the place where the ladies went shopping for a rabbit vibrator. And frankly, it changed the pop culture conversation around sex toys forever. And that's why on Thursday, July 26th, that very same West Village location on 7th Avenue in Manhattan is hosting a Sex in the City 20th anniversary party. It's from 7 to 9 p.m. and it is totally free. The sex specialists will introduce you to the original dual action toy that helped Charlotte come for like five minutes and also fill you in on all the innovations in rabbit technology since. Whether you're a Carrie, or a Charlotte, or a Miranda, a Samantha, or even a Mr. Big, come celebrate 20 years of rabbit vibrator fame at the Pleasure Chest. So I've never liked clowns, and I was aware of it from a very young age. And then there was this thing um, when I was a teenager in the 90s where there was like a little bit of a sort of like social acknowledgement of clowns being creepy and I, I like definitely remember it at hot topic do you remember hot topic oh yes um <laughs> uh there, there were like buttons that said can't sleep clowns will eat me do you remember that oh yeah and i felt a little like validated by that because i was like i had just always kind of been like been a thing in my head and i was like oh somebody else also is acknowledging that like this is kind of weird um and those were usually right next to the insane clown posse t-shirts right we should talk about insane clown posse for sure in terms of belonging like that you would that yeah that people would be interested in what are they called Ju they're called juggalos right that juggalos, you like want to yeah. be part of a community of like extreme freaks yeah and embracing that aspect of uh, it, it could be anything but you know maybe the the dark and ridiculous mm. um overtone of your own socioeconomic bracket yeah yeah like being working class which many juggalos are right in america yeah i'm so interested in the like association between darkness and the ridiculous mm -hmm. or or like the hilar like hilarity and terror 
it, it like the you keep sort of talking about like those two kinds of things as like being connected and they clearly are through clowns yeah but it's kind of like mysterious to me why there, those things are connected there aren't that many other things that connect terror and humor yeah um I mean, or darkness th- and ridiculousness, right? And and maybe there are, but I think clowns are probably the most obvious and prevalent and symbol. Potent, of, yeah. yeah, potent. Um, and to me, um, terror is is a very authentic place to be. You know what is so great about audio is that um, I know that some people will have will have like discerned that you definitely broke into a smile the second that you said the word terror. Anyway, go on. Because <laughs> I could hear it in your voice. I can see it with my eyes, but you you definitely smiled as soon as you said terror. Like smiled like you were talking about like a child that you love. I know, it's so perverse. <laughs> and and I have the privilege of being in from a, from a I guess, a, a rather stable mm-hmm. enough um, upbringing where I did not, regularly experience terror and Mm. so uh, I can talk about it with a sense of lightness but there definitely are people that have been traumatized and terrorized repeatedly whereas become a part of their being yeah and and they're not looking to experience that in any light-hearted way and they're trying to avoid it but some folks but but also like the inverse of both of the things that you just said are true like sometimes folks who haven't experienced a great deal of terror and trauma aren't attracted to it. And sometimes people who have experienced that are attracted to it within the things that we were talking about in the beginning of this conversation of, you know, of like the potential he- healing or even just straight up like catharsis or sense of control that can come from totally playing with that. And in, it's important to acknowledge all the quadrants of, totally. of terror and trauma. Yes. <laughs> And ridiculousness. <laughs> um, so, so it's like, like I said earlier, it's like straddling the the line between these two um, feelings yeah. or states of being, and 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 they aren't normally associated with each other. Yeah. And so I find that to be a kind of an interesting place to be because what in your normal life brings you those those to to those places Mm. um usually it's a it's it's just one feeling or the other but so easily one can become the other that's true and then back again i guess they are spaces of vulnerability and that's what makes them that's what makes them connected like when you are vulnerable whatever way that that means emotionally physically etc you could be playing with like humor or the ridiculousness and then it could slide into hurt mm-hmm. very easily very when, easily. when it comes to clowns when you have somebody in front of you dressed in like a big stripy suit with a with a rough and you know the 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 you know what's funny i just realized that ronald mcdonald the the symbol for fast food and yeah um, is a clown. Is, is a clown, and yeah. and he's kind of the only clown, but definitely the most popular one. Probably the most rec- instantly globally recognizable clown of the past 
hundred years. Yeah, and what does that even mean to to have this fast food company use the symbol of terror? Whoa, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> and and humor, totally but not exclusively humor. Yeah, whoa. Um, I wonder if there are people with erotic fantasies about all of the McDonald's characters. I'm like now realizing that that I can like think of that there because there's the Hamburglar who is clownish, more like a lump, a mime. Actually. Yes, yes. But um, and then there's Grimace. Grimace, the who, big purple. Yes, very Barney like. Yes. And aren't, isn't there, there's like a late sexy lady fry, is, is there like a lady fry? I don't recall. Fry guy? A no. female. Fry guys. Fry guys are, are little, you know, there's like maybe three of them. Uh, is that a McDonald's thing? I don't thing? think, I think they're non-binary. <laughs> Pretty sure. That... Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, well, they're called guys, but that's just, you Guys, know. you know, it's like it could saying, be. It's like saying y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, whoa. Yeah, it is. I, I, you know what? I can't even I can't even go there. A whole other topic for a whole other show. For sure. Um, Okay, let's talk about masks. So, yes. So. I don't like them. I don't like masks. And this is when I when I started sort of um, like analyzing myself as I want to do about my aversion to clowns, which is like uh, like deep and guttural and visceral and real in a, in a way that not frankly a lot of my fears are. Um, I wouldn't quite call it a phobia. Like I've got like it, it's not like um, like if I had to be like if I like had to go to the circus, I would probably be like, Ugh, I really don't like this, but I don't think I would like have a panic attack. Mm, it's manageable. It's manageable. But not yeah. preferable. That's exactly right. Um, manageable, but not preferable. Yeah. It's just a, ta- I don't, I have a, like a distaste sure. for clowns. Um, and what do clowns taste like, oh, Tina? I don't know yet. <laughs> I guess I'm going to find yes. out. Grease paint. I don't know. Sorry, Hamburgers. Mask. Um, <laughs> Um, so, so I don't like masks. I don't like, um, you know, face paint that like transforms the face. Um, and, uh, you know, in a, in like a a significant or like abject or like extreme way. Although, um, you know, we could talk about like drag and, uh, you know, definitely the way that like drag queen culture has become like more abject in the, mm. in the past few years mm-hmm. and less about like symmetry and grace and, and femininity yes. and, and beauty. Yeah. But, um, we, we can talk about that. Um, uh, sometimes absurdist drag queens do unsettle me and sometimes they are like straight up like being clowns or mm. clowning or clownish. Yes. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I'm like in, to the fact that that is happening, but don't necessarily like need it like in my face. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, re- you know, I really don't like masks. Like, I, please, masquerade masks. I cannot believe this is one of the like perennial like intro to sexy mystery culture things that like still goes on. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's in the Fifty Shades movies. It like, you know, it's like 
I understand, you know, it's like some Phantom of the Opera shit, you know, where it's like, I, I get that people want to engage with one another in a way where it's like freeing to them mm -hmm. that their identity is obscured. And so they can be their true selves because they have a mask because they're wearing a mask. Right. Yeah. Um, I get it. Um, but the like whole, like sort of flowery gesture, there's the gesture again, actually, but like the, this sort of like, mm. I don't even know what the style is, but you know, the masquerade the mask, Harlequin? like Harlequin. Okay. Thank you. That like okay. Harlequin look, I'm just like, please, this is so over. Huh, okay. Uh, personally. Yeah. Um, do you like, do you I, like Harlequin I masks? I, I mean, I love all kinds of masks. Okay. Um, I love the idea of, um, obscuring my identity so that I don't have to, um, perform my expected gender role mm. my expected you know um like ethnic role mm. my expected anything role in fact my That's preference really powerful. i don't even know how you deal with halloween but my preference is usually for halloween to dress up as some thing uh, that's not female and not human cool and and so that i can just kind of like be whatever and it and it's not like my true self you know there's a lot of true selves depending on what the context and and what my feeling is um but it's it's a it's a fun way to play with my own self and to bring out and emphasize parts that don't normally come into play um in in my like social roles i mean that makes intellectual sense to me and i and i can appreciate that historically virtually every culture has some sort of ritual or tradition or ceremony that has to do with masks even if it's like a veil right like mm -hmm. unveiling the bride totally. right um but i don't like it okay so you don't <laughs> like um you don't like seeing other people in masks that's right and and do you well, how do you feel about wearing them um i don't like that either okay yeah i don't i don't uh I have nothing to hide. I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I say that jokingly. I understand that uh, <laughs> that wearing a mask is not about um, is not about hi hiding per se, or like not necessarily in a bad way. Um, yeah, but you know, even like um, like people in uh, like anthropomorphic animal costumes, like at at theme parks mm -hmm. or like mascots, like though they those have always freaked me out. Mm -hmm. I did not like them as a child. Mm -hmm. Did not want my fucking picture taken with them. I was like. You know, you know, even like walking around Times Square is like unsettling to me because there's like Iron Man and Elmo and like all these people, right? <laughs> Iron uh, Man and Elmo. You know? <laughs> so I think that the idea of not being able to connect with somebody visually, like being able to see their eyes and their expressions. Yeah. Um, allows you to kind of like go into an area where everything about them is unknown. Yeah. Their humanity, their intentions. Yeah. Um, they they could they could even be not even human yeah they definitely and, could yeah and there's a lot of possibilities hiding behind a mask yeah and for me like that that kind of um possibility is fun to play with yeah where i feel i feel like if i'm wearing the mask i feel in control of the possibility and and being a, a trickster is definitely one of them yeah um but also kind of uh disconnecting from everything in a in a way where i can just kind of like be an object and and to me as uh, a pro dom 
being able to put a sub in a mask or a hood or you know whatever like full head thing um and and not have to relate to them as the way that i've always related to them through uh communications and email or, mm. or just whatever you or know, even like, just the fact that it's a, a man or a white man exactly or exactly like i don't i don't judge this this being quite as much when they're wearing a mask they're more like an object for me to play with yeah well just like and so my like originally you know as you can imagine having an aversion to um masks and things that like annihilate your identity is like really rough when you are like getting your start as a dominatrix because there's like a lot of that going on right and um even a blindfold right uh and um uh, but the, so, but as with many sexual things, like I definitely was not like attracted to, uh, hoods, uh, like full head encasing hoods. Um, and you know, even things like the gimp in Pulp Fiction definitely like, mm-hmm. you know, unsettled me, mm-hmm. um, when I, uh, first saw that movie and like, but then the first time that somebody came in, like that a client came in and said, I really want you to put this leather hood on me and I was like okay you know and I like put the hood on him and like laced up the back and then unzipped the mouth zipper and was able to discover in this leather encased ball that was now my thing to play with this wet warm red hole that I could just <laughs> stick my fingers in and just play with that it sort of respond you would touch it and it would sort of have some give and response like that that was I was like okay I get it oh okay good good I, yeah and yeah. like and then you know like then you stick your dick in it and fuck it yeah yeah and and it's not necessarily a human that you're performing uh a sex act with it yeah. is just a thing of curiosity it really oh, comes what? back to the to the clown thing of like what is this hole uh-huh what is it how does it respond when i touch it like this oh, so you in a way you kind of projected the the clown or or you absorbed the 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 clown uh vibe was kind of like being explored in both ways yeah 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 th- that's interesting that like he was wearing the identity obscuring mm-hmm. um, tool. Right. But you were the one. That it brought out my yeah. curiosity and wonder yeah. and transform. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I'm positive that I am capable of uh, <laughs> um, interacting with a, a skull and like the mouth in the skull in a way that is objectifying when I can also like look into that person's eyes or like touch their skin as opposed to like seeing them as this like leather thing but it it does like do a little number on your brain sure yeah it does it it, it creates a sense of removal from from the the intimacy of the interaction and it um and that sense of being detached from from the the human interaction with this person allows you more freedom yeah and curiosity and it allows them the freedom to really feel like every touch is a is is a touch of objectification 
like it i could see i could see like wearing the hood like when someone's interacting with you you could you, you can get into that place where you have faith that they really don't see you as human exactly and and sometimes that's a relief yeah you know to not be asked oh how are you and your mm. and your kids and you know like to have to think about those things that are definably human yeah. in your experience and to just kind of be treated like um like none of these things are really important right now. What's important is that you can be a surface for my feet. Yeah. <laughs> That's so nice. It is. It's a nice escape, I think, from some people that are maybe overwrought with human interaction. Yeah. Okay, Dia. Well, I'm not I'm not sure if I um would say that I have totally gotten to the deepest psychological depths of my understanding of my clown aversion but I do feel like I've learned a lot about clowns and myself yes and that is always what we could hope for in talking about things and I've learned a lot about myself too and cool. the idea of you know exploring the eroticization of clowns and um it sounds like you definitely want to sit on a clown's dick if yeah if it's well it's got to be a good dick you know that's your prerogative if, if it's like some tiny gherkin probably not no <laughs> then you'll just humiliate exactly and that's just as fun to me and it's just as thrilling just as engaging just as amusing you are a true pervert and i really <laughs> like that about you you're like, I could fuck it, but I can also <laughs> make fun. I can flick it. <laughs> Dia, if people are delighted by you as I imagine they are, where can they find you on the internet? On the internet, I have a website and that is dominadynasty.com. I also have social media in the form of Twitter. And that is also Domina Dynasty. And then on Instagram, um, I am Dia underscore underscore Dynasty. Mm -hmm. And I believe those are the only places that I exist on the internet. What about La Maison de Rouge? La Maison de Rouge is um, lamaisonderouge.com as a form of website. And then La Maison de Rouge, which is L.A. M-A-I-S-O-N-D-U-R-O-U-G-E. And that's basically our name across all platforms. So Twitter, Instagram, um, Tumblr, and as a dot com. Cool. Well, I definitely recommend people check those things out. You guys do a Periscope uh, on Twitter every every Monday, right? Every Monday. Yeah, you interview sort of like this, you interview pro-doms and other perverts and yes. it's a live broadcast and you can interact wherever you are and able to receive the internet. And there are times when we even take a break from interviews to explore fun fetishes. Cool. Um <clears throat> we've had fun little foot fetish explorations as well as food fetishes and I believe we're going to keep continuing the series of fetishes that are less sexually graphic mm. and more amusing and, and maybe obscure. Cool. 
I obviously love that. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing me into your yurt. Thank you for coming to my yurt. In, <laughs> into my circus tent. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's so... um. Oh my god, if 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 this sort of like English safari tent just fell away and then behind it it was like the clowns start coming in and there's a little clown car and there's about 20 clowns on their way. I don't know, man. I don't know. Part of it part of it makes me excited that it would be really scary. I think also if I knew if I knew that all of the clowns were people that I liked. Mm. That that would were infected. If they if all so they were like zombie clowns. Yeah, like they were people that you liked that you recognize as people that you liked, but they were definitely not acting like people that you remember them being. That that is the other thing about the infection monstrosity thing right like whether it's a vampire or a zombie or there's like lots of other examples like the idea it's like you're looking at the person and it's the person that you that you know that you you think you know what to expect from them you think you have a certain kind of relationship love intimacy whatever but they are not behaving like that person maybe they are actually it's like that person's body but it's not that person anymore it's a demon now or they like have no mind uh they're just reanimated whatever all possibilities with the clown i did have an experience in um when i when i was in vegas this year um to cover the avns for rolling stone um where i was like trying to like go to some parties but not but i had to like keep my stamina up because i was there as a reporter not just like as a partying porn star um but like all my friends the partying porn stars like that's like what they do so there's just like all this like incredible endurance um and like on the last night, my friends uh, Bella Bathory and Michael Vegas and Susie Q and a bunch of other folks were having a clown orgy um, in Bella's room, uh, and it was like a really elegant and decadent room. And they were just like, I just know, like those people are freaks. So I like knew they were really going to bring it. I knew it wasn't going to be a like sort of clown orgy. I knew there was going to be a lot of like authentic clowning and just like intensity oh yeah and like you i knew that i would like try to maybe like talk to someone and they would just be like i'm a clown um and i was like 3 a.m and i was just like i can't i can't do it like i can't everybody was like let's go to the clown orgy i was like i want to go party with my friends and i want to party like a porn star in vegas mm. and i want to go to an orgy but i can't I can handle all that stimulation, but I can't handle like the extra level of stimulation that is the clowning. Yeah. So I missed out apparently. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, our defenses are definitely lowered in, in the late night or Especially early hours of the morning. And what if they weren't acting like your friends? Yeah. That's, that is scary. The thing you kind of want from your friends at an orgy is for them to act like your friends. <laughs> that may, maybe that's just me. Like, that's again, yeah. I, I can take this to my therapist. Yeah. The like the the idea of a psychological safe space just doesn't exist with clowns. That is a beautiful note to end on. <laughs> Dia, thank you so much. 
It was my pleasure. <laughs> this exploration into clowning and clownhood and, and theoretical frameworks of why clowns are is just so compelling. I could talk about this for hours, so thank you. You're so welcome. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 